Yeah, so what does it mean to put people first? I guess for me, this really comes down to how we make decisions as an organization. Um, often there's going to be decisions either around people or profit, like which one are you, are you going to do? And um, of course, we're a for-profit business, but ultimately we feel like if we put our people first um, and we uh, give them opportunities and treat them well um, and help them grow as a, as a person, um, they will ultimately grow, but that will create growth for the organization and ultimately profits will follow if we do the right things. Um, so one just quick example that I'll share is when COVID hit, um, those are pretty crazy times and we had to uh, decide like, what are we gonna do? Lots of businesses were laying people off. Um, a lot of people I knew that ran businesses said, cut deeper than uh, you think you need to cut. Um, and it, as a leadership team, we thought about this long and hard and uh, you know, it was an unknown, something we've never dealt with. And you know, wh what do we do? So we decided that if at all costs, if we could keep our people and not put more pressure on them, cause there was already so much um, kind of craziness in the world, um, that would be the best. And ultimately that's what we did. And we didn't end up laying um, anybody off. Um, which I'm super proud of. And in turn, those um, people, I guess, fought hard and we ended up having a great year still. So that, that for me is a good example of putting our people first. And we'll always do that as a business. We feel like that's um, the best way to operate. It's not just about making money. To put you know, people first as organizational leaders, like I really think about, um, you know, are we setting up that kind of overall environment to support that and are we setting people up for success so how do we how do we create that environment and support that as an organization but one one way that i think of um, how we actually set that up um, and operate that is is really by leading by example so um, us at the at the leadership team level we have to dig in and uh, we have to be engaged with those things and we have to you know, live those out as uh, to the best of our abilities uh, and make sure that we're, uh, we're leading by examples and not just saying that. I think for our core value of people and being able to put people first, it means both that we are looking at decisions that we make every day uh, around how it affects our people. But it also means that we are actually holding people to a high standard of excellence. And as we drive towards excellence, it also means making sure that our people are equipped to do the jobs we're asking them to do, but also holding them to those high standards. So when we think about our people core value, it's not just about treating people nice. That's a table stake. Just be respectful. Treat people the right way. But more importantly, it is about making sure that as we're moving forward as an organization, opportunities are present for our people, as well as holding them to those high standards of excellence so that we surround ourselves with high-performing teams. How does the organization create an environment that fosters respect? Yeah, so I, I think the organization creates an environment that fosters respect. Uh, I think it, it really goes back to um, just starting at the, at the top leadership um, of the organization and, and just really um, embracing those and living those out um, 
So it starts just by leading by example. So are we treating, um, no matter, to me, it's no matter who it is, if it's someone that's um, whatever position in the organization or how we're treating um, someone, even if it's outside of um, our, our work environment, if you're at the store, are you treating the cashier with respect? Um, are you holding the door for someone? Um, it doesn't matter like who it is. And I think it's just really living that out from, um, from a personal standpoint. I think the biggest thing that we can do as leaders around respect is to show respect to everybody in the organization. One of the hallmarks of FCP services is that we don't care what people's titles are. We are all willing to step into whatever role needs to happen in order for us to be successful. So from a leadership perspective, I won't ask my team to do anything I'm not willing to do myself. Now, nine times out of 10, they're better at what they do than I am, so they don't want me doing their job, but I'm willing to do it if that's what's necessary to help our team be successful. I think the other piece of this is to ensure that we have a open environment where people can feel confident that they can come to any of us as leaders, tell us what's actually going on, and that we'll listen to it, that if we need to take action, we will actually take action on it, and even if we can't take action on it, we'll tell them why. So in order to create a respectful environment, you need to start with respect from a leadership perspective, and that means respecting others, but it also means being open and honest and being willing to admit when we screw things up. So what does internal motivation uh, look like and how does it play out? Um, internal motivation is really that drive from within to um, maybe take on more things, um, to look for opportunities to grow, look for opportunities to help others out. Um, and really, I think a lot of people probably have it within them. Um, there are some that don't. So I, th I think you can't make somebody be motivated, but I think great leaders can get the most out of their people by um, giving those opportunities, coaching them, and uh, letting them take risks and chances. I would say the primary piece of what we know great looks like and what excellence looks like is number one, understanding why and how our core values actually intertwine with the, the what we do, whatever role we play in the organization. And then it's being very clear about what excellence looks like. So for instance, if we are trying to accomplish a new process or a new system in our organization, if the goal of that new system or process is to become more efficient and having less people touching a process all the way through, then the end result of excellence is we are more efficient at whatever we're trying to accomplish. It doesn't do us any good to try something, fail, and then quit. We need to be able to continue to try, learn from our failure, and then grow from that so that we can get to excellence. If excellence means we are going to have a, a culture of leaders in our organization, it means we have to train leaders on what it looks like to lead through our core values. That's a piece of excellence for me. If the excellence is we're gonna be a certain amount of profitability, if you're talking about financial metrics, then excellence is hitting that profit margin or higher. All of those things can be good things too, by the way. We don't, what we don't wanna do is fixate on only one component of that. That's where excellence actually veers off to the side. So if all you're doing is talking about the metrics for financials and how we're doing from a financial perspective and we ignore the people, we ignore the culture, we ignore the core values, we're not an excellent organization. We're excellent when we blend all of those things together and create a lift for everybody in the organization.
So to me, uh, internal motivation, um, when I think about that and how I've seen that play out with people is, is really, uh, are they passionate and do they care about what they're doing? And from my perspective, um, you can't really make anybody do anything. It's really like, do they really want to do it? And I like to see people just dig into things, take their own initiative. And I think as an organization, um, we've really embraced that where we're not forcing people to do things, but really want people to do things because they want to. So in order to find internal drive in people, that's part of our interview process. We ask questions around what that looks like and how hard have you had to work in life? What are the biggest obstacles you've overcome? But then at the end of the day, it's looking at people and seeing the grit that they have. So if the job needs to get done, are they packing things up at 345 and heading out the door at four because that's when they normally leave and leaving stuff undone on their desk that needs to get done? From a leadership perspective, the best thing that we can do is to create an environment where they know when they need to work maybe a little bit longer or take a phone call at night or work on the weekend because a deadline requires it. We don't expect people to work 60, 70 hours a week every single day, every single week, uh, every single month. That's not the goal. It's not about working harder and it's not about just working smarter either. It's about being able to blend that together so that we get the best that we need to out of people and they feel good about what they're doing. I found that the internal motivation comes from people who both have it ingrained in them, but you also foster an environment where they want to give you that extra effort because you're supporting them, you're creating opportunity for them, and it goes to that ownership and problem solving question. When we're giving them the opportunity to actually solve problems and to be take ownership of what they do, people will give you their residual energy without having to ask for it. How do we create an environment that creates um, problem solving and ownership um, at an individual level? I guess really giving people the opportunities um, to learn and take on new things and to grow, um, letting them fail, um, I think is a really important step. But also when they do fail, give them that corrective feedback, um, help them through that. Um, show that we trust that they made the best choice with the information they had um, so they can learn and grow from that. That's a super important part. But if they do that, they'll learn to take on ownership of a problem and be willing to uh, try solve that. Um, so ultimately, if, if um, you don't give people the opportunity to make a mistake or to take on something new, they're never going to grow. They're just only going to wait for you to come uh, give them something or direction. So that's, that's a really big part for that. Really, I think if you're not failing, you're probably likely not growing. You're staying in your comfort zone and just doing what you know and what you're good at. You're likely never going to grow or uh, move forward. So that failure piece, I think, is super, super important. I think um, a part of growth is always going to uh, include failure in it. Uh, I believe that um, that a lot of times you have to fail in order to move forward. So if you're not failing, you're not trying hard enough and there's no progress without failure at some point. So I believe that either you failed and are learning from that failure or someone else failed and you're learning from their failure. So I think failure is a huge part of growth. 
Um, and, and obviously you don't want to fail to the detriment of everything, um, but embracing those failures and learning uh, from them um, and teaching others about those failures or learning from other people's failure um, is the path forward in growth. Well, I think you don't actually grow much if you're not stretching, which means that you're probably going to fail. Most people, if they are honest with themselves, have found the most growth through the most difficult periods of time, whether that's personally or professionally. So sometimes failure happens because we're stretching up beyond our capabilities in the moment. People who are willing to do that means they're vulnerable enough to say, I don't know all the answers, but I love where I'm going. I'm going to dig in and figure this out. Oftentimes that leads to failure, whether that's a tactical failure in the field as we're producing the work, what'd you learn from it? How do you fix it? Whether that's a project manager saying, I tried this setup for the project. I thought the timeline was going to work. It didn't. What do I learn from it? It could be as simple as trying to present something to a, a management team and not having yourself prepared and getting the feedback that says, hey, you got to do the X, Y, and Z to help that presentation. I think your idea is great. I can't sign on to it right now because I don't fully understand what you're trying to accomplish. That's a failure with growth. It's a failure with opportunity. The thing that we want to be able to do in failure is not have people quit. It's not about failing and going, I give up. It's failing and saying, how do I learn and bounce back? Who might have failed before me in this that I can ask before I fail again? It's trying to find that, it blends with that curiosity.